it's Chanel. Hey, hey, it's Chris. Um, welcome back. We are so excited that you're with us for yet another episode. Woo -woo. Yes, welcome back. And in true SSBD fashion, we're going to open up with how we're feeling. What Chanel, uh, I am feeling playful. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is way too appropriate for our conversation today. I am feeling playful because of my connection with you and because how we can ebb and flow into more serious, sometimes emotionally wrenching um, ch and challenging conversations, but then we can become just really lighthearted, playful in a very real way. And yeah. for me, that just is a beautiful expression of humanity. And so uh, I'm, I'm holding on to the playfulness that I'm feeling right now. How are you feeling? Yeah. I, so this is, this is a layered feeling, but it's like giddy, but like if danceful, cause that's the word that I just made up. Danceful is like a thing, like, like giddy in my body, like mm. full body wiggles. Like this is, do you, do you remember the skipping challenge where everyone was trying to remember if they could skip? Like, yes. this is like frolic skip energy, like in my body, just like, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Why did that make me laugh? I'm so special. <laughs> that's so good. I think that's a beautiful representation of the giddiness of it all, right? You yeah. know, the, especially when you think about like our the loud facial expressions we talk about, like you know, some of the little, the little. I just, <laughs> I just love it. I appreciate that. And I think this is just a really great representation of today's conversation around childlike wonder. Yes. And you sharing that giddiness and the, and the wide range of uh, kind of emotions and feelings around that, it makes me think of this uh, or these moments that I've had with my two youngest nephews. Uh, one is now eight and the other one is about to be 10 years old. And they're so cute. They're oh too, my God. They're too <laughs> cute, uh, these boys. And I see them. Um, I mean, handsome. You know, handsome, yeah. They would, they would definitely be like, I'm handsome. Uh, <laughs> I'm just like they would appreciate handsome. They're adorable for anyone else, but for them, they're handsome. Yeah, the masses. They're so cute. They are. They're really, really cute kids. And they, um, I see. I get to see them twice a week because um, I do the car line with them, and so I have lots of your heart. Yeah. Oh, the car line. I mean, <laughs> car line is wild. No joke. Some of these parents. Yeah, and I mean, even just the teachers who organize it. It is. It's a sport. Um, everything from getting there on time early and being ready to move your car when you need to move your car. It is a sport. No games are played there. Uh, and so with the boys, you know, being able to see them so much during the daytime when they would come and like do sleepovers, things like that, there was a moment where um, they wanted to play during the nighttime. And they... I had to quickly realize they'd never done that. They never played in the night before. And so one of the things I loved growing up as a kid was playing manhunt. And there was so much, you know, it's dark, it's a little more challenging, it's a little exhilarating, but scary, you know, and they loved playing tag during the daytime. They liked the whole chase, find me, the whole, the whole thing. And I said, well, guys, when it gets darker, we can play manhunt. And they're like, well, what's that? And I'm like, well, manhunt is like tag. It's just done at night essentially. And they're like, uh, can we have flashlights? 
And I'm like, yeah, you sure? You, I mean, you're not supposed to use flashlights, but you know, yeah, you can use flashlights. And they were quickly curious and excited to experience this. And the first time we ever did this, I just got so present to how exhilarated they were around this experience. And it was just me and them too. And of course, because I'm the older one, I was always it, right? And they, were, <laughs> they were always hiding. And there's so much of, you know, this, that was a really great experience for me to realize like how grown up I've become in the way that I was stopping the pauses or playing. I was like, I'm doing things I haven't done in years. You know, um, the hiding, the playing, I, I think even just in my body, there was a moment where I was squatting to hide from them and I'm holding this deep squat and I'm like, my legs, like, oh my God, you know, things that like, when you're a kid, you just don't think about, right? Um, and when I would things catch them, then. <laughs> say that again? I said things didn't pop and creak then. Oh gosh. Oh yeah. And then leave me sore for two days afterwards. You know, and when I was, um, when I, the great thing about this is when I... When I caught them, they would let out this big scream and a and a shake. And then afterwards they'd be like, oh, you know, and in the moment, given the work that I get to do now and understanding the human anatomy and whatnot, I'm like, oh my God, there's so much adrenaline rushing in these kids' bodies, right? And adrenaline is a very powerful and it could be a very addictive hormone, right? And so just looking at them and seeing like they're scared, right? But they're also excited and this idea of like the fear of getting caught, um, but it being nighttime and, and them not being able to see as well. And the idea that other things could be out here in the dark, a place that they are not used to playing, mm. right? And it just, it created these fun, magical moments that made me really think about this freedom of childlike wonder and how we might knowingly do something that's a little bit scary, but being able to still be playful and have fun in that. You know, yeah. so one of the things I, I benefit, like I love about being an adult is being able to have some of these perspectives and like turn these experiences that might be just, you know, one-off experiences that, you know, you don't necessarily have to go too in depth with, but I love going deep with these things and just using it as a reflective moment of like, how can I embrace more of this? How can I, like them, how might I be okay with being afraid about something like starting a podcast, right? But still choosing to allow myself to feel excitement, to feel curiosity, but even to sit with like, this moment is really tough and hard, but not stay in that to the point where it becomes my demise. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, did you freeze? Sorry. <laughs> no. No, it's just, it is it is a really good thought from, you know, I mean, it's something that I'm definitely still developing on because it is, in the line of work that I do, some of the things that we talk about are like inner child healing, you know, and getting, making intentional connections with that younger version of yourself that, you know, is still a part of you. We don't, we don't necessarily leave that younger version of those experiences behind, right? And so from an overall bigger picture um, healing, quote unquote, perspective, I am using my, my experiences with my nephews and focusing on childlike wonder with the goal of applying it in as many areas of my life as possible. Okay. And especially anything that I'm doing new for the first time, right? It's playing tag is not new for them. 
doing it at night is what's new. Right. And so like, I think for me, it's like meeting people is not new for me. Right. But meeting people in the context of committed relationship is new. Right. I think when we talk about when you and I first met, I was a little resistant. Okay. Maybe not a little, maybe more than a little resistant in the idea of this phase. <laughs> well, I think it's great because it, for in that moment, it had nothing to do with you and it was everything <laughs> with, with me and coming from relationships that I had before and really just being afraid of starting something new because the way things ended or the way things maybe sh needed to end, but never actually did end in previous relationships, mm -hmm. like Oof. not having closure, things like that, and allowing that to keep me from wanting to be hurt again, if you will. You know, I think that's very much an adult experience, like over time with experiences, we don't allow ourselves to be as exposed. But with kids up to a certain ex ex age, they're okay with falling down, getting hurt, getting back up and playing again. I you think know? they have to be though, right? Like you just are so, tiny humans are so inexperienced at everything that the living, the experiencing is quote unquote getting it wrong, is messing it up, is, you know, not knowing, failing, failing forward, mistake, haha, laugh, move forward. Like it's all of the things. And I think we are socialized to like outgrow those, to, to learn fast, to learn faster, to grow up faster, to be older, to be more mature, to take on more responsibility. And then we practice it and then we get comfortable. We just stop. Okay, I've achieved it. I have a job now. I'll see you when I retire. <laughs> you know, um, and and uh, this later stage of 25 that I'm in now. No, I'm joking. Um, but this, <laughs> but just like being in, in my 30s, like I realize how strongly I felt things in my 20s. But mm. I, I could because I didn't have as much to lose, right? Like I was on my mama's health insurance. Sure. Say what you want to say, you know, like, or, or I could be on my mom's health insurance, you know, like there, there were those things or, you know, I knew that yeah. I had certain family and they were much more accepting and willing to like fill the gaps. Oh, she's young. She's figuring it out in your thirties. It's like, why don't you have it figured out? And so I think we feel that pressure and just taking some of the power back to play and to be, and I think more, more so for me than even playing is the curiosity beyond mm. the playing and the desire for joy. So like breaking down play, it is joy. It is curiosity. It is, it is that feeling um, it's being present. And I don't know. I don't have to speak for anybody else. I don't know that I always give myself permission for those things. Mm. And if I do give myself permission, I don't know that I prioritize them. I, I want to sit with that again. And I really want to echo what you said. So around play, like, and what I'm hearing, correct me if I'm wrong, is like, in order to, to have play, there are these other things that are going on within us that allow us to play, right? It's being present. So like I think about like kids when they're, they're focused when they're playing, right? So it's that, it's this joy, right? The sensation of joy. And um, there was something else you said. And curiosity. The curiosity, right? Um, 
And I love that. And I also love how you kind of call out for yourself that you may not always allow yourself to have that. And that is causing tons of reflection in this moment of like, ah, when it comes to childlike wonder, how might I just, rather than trying to like maybe figure out what childlike wonder is or look for examples, how might I just sit with the idea of curiosity, joy, and presence in in whatever I'm taking on in life. And then just knowing that those can be three key components to play. Well, and, and the other part of this that I think about, which is actually snatched out your mouth, is um, you always say it's an invitation and there are possibilities, right? And I think in this space of play, and as someone <laughs> who for years lived with my body just moving my head around, um, the idea, it is it is entertaining the idea that I cannot think my way through an experience, right? Mm. It is it is entertaining space that there's possibility that something could be different because I'm really good and especially doing work in strategic planning and thinking about partnerships. It is so easy, you know, and and like and and someone who leans hard into vision work, um, it is so easy for me to game out a situation five, six steps down the road. Now, I know there's a certain point when you get into a process, you know, maybe you can strategize one or two, two or three steps, five or six is like a hope. And you really need to reevaluate at step three, two, three, and kind of see where things are going from there. But it is admitting to myself that not only could something be different, but that I might want it to be different, that there are unknown variables that I am welcoming into this experience. And that's other people, but it's also that I could be different. And I, again, reforming, you know, body moving header. I don't even know what, what, what name that is, you know, like just someone who lived in their head, like the idea that there's more, the idea that there's space, there's the idea for, for my joy to change a situation. There's space for someone else's joy to change a situation and just be open to that. But it's really this surrendering of of the knowing and even if you know like could it feel different Mm -hmm. what you just gave is it's a beautiful example of like even just curiosity the curiosity around the joy right and and i i love that you bring up knowing in that like what you did was just so magical for me because the knowing is usually rooted in the past like you know something you've learned it you know it. it's not present Right. right. And, and to your point about like presence and curiosity being a part of joy as, as this trifecta, this triangle of play. Right. I um, Yeah, I think that's just so huge because I could see how they're all connected. Right. You know, if you are present, you have the you you, you have the makings of like joy. Like I, I the only time I've ever felt real joy is when I'm being present. Right. Uh, you know, and then when I think about like just curiosity, right um curious being curious helps me be present if i don't know something and i'm curious about it i am you got my attention right Would yeah you- well and i think the the community right aspect of it is so important for us to learn and see ourselves i think back to one of our early episodes of like you know i think even an aspect of the truth but definitely mirror mirror like you can't see yourself it is not possible for you to see your face whatever surface or individuals you see yourself in, it is always a reflection and that doesn't happen in a vacuum. And so I think it's just so incredibly important. And especially when we're talking about kids, like 
working with kids my entire career has been well most of my career has been around like career and education i'll put it that way um has been around working with children and and really studying what it is that they need at various stages and and systems to support them and i think it's so it's really interesting because even in that which is not getting emotional about this but like even in that is like the studying it's it's understanding them and how we can influence their lives but it's not all I don't think we spend enough time consciously thinking about collectively thinking about the ways in which they change our lives Mm -hmm. I think there are antidotes there are these moments that we all reflect on and I think it's implied you know especially when you talk about talking about like graduations you uh you know end of school year you see before and after you know first day last day of school photos you see these various moments where it's implied that they're changing or you maybe catch some stories or whatever but like how are they making us better how are they changing our lives and the power that children have in their wonder you know like you know, I, the ways in which that they change our lives and so how do we acknowledge that and then can we go further from the the shoulds and the ought tos and the you know, strongly suggested to the playful moments of uh, doing squats in the yard for manhunt. (laughs) Right. Well, I think so much of what you said is, you know, being able to integrate young people in our lives in a way that allows us still to, you know, to, to be and to, to get other things done. Like I, if you would have told me playing manhunt would have been a benefit for movement to me and like deep squatting and all that stuff, all the benefits that I know come with that. I wouldn't, I would never lean into that expecting that. And now I do every time I'm like, can we please go to the park today? Cause I want to run and play. Like, you know, it's a huge, a huge thing for me. And in, um, before I move forward, I want to, you, you're, so you talked about some of your education. Will you talk about your, um, master's degree and what it's in? Uh, it's like the longest degree ever. Uh, so my master's is in family life and youth development. Um, I got a double concentration, <laughs> double concentration in volunteer management and administration and youth leadership development. So, yeah, that, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I think that's important for me to just highlight because it's not only, I don't know if we, while we, in this podcast, we talk a lot about like how we be and what we've navigated in the world. It doesn't always directly connect to some of more of our broader experiences that allow us to be who we are. And so being to see that you, as you talk about children, you know, it is rooted in not only your educational experience, but also your professional experience and youth development and some of the other things you've done as well in that. So I think it's just important to acknowledge that. Well, thank you. I mean, I definitely worked really hard for that degree. Uh, That was actually the period I wasn't working directly in youth development because I was studying it and I needed to pay bills. So yeah, I really appreciate that. Um, Yeah. So thinking about your time with your tiny humans, um, what are, if I can challenge you to ask, like, what are some of the other unexpected benefits that you've gotten from spending time with them. And very specifically, I, uh, I'm just borrowing all of your phrases today. You have said and repeatedly or multiple times, uh, don't miss the message because of the messenger. Hmm. Um, what are some, can you share some of the beautiful examples? 
Yeah. I, well, I just, just before I do that, there's going to be two parts to me. The don't miss the message because you don't agree with the messenger. That actually, I want, I don't know this young girl's name, but it was this cute little black girl on social media who was just preaching all over this reel. And at the end of her, she was talking about big life lessons. And at the end of it, she said, don't miss the messenger because you don't agree with the message. And in that moment, wait, backwards. Me, say that again. I think you got it backwards. Don't miss don't, the message. Because you don't agree with the messenger. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you for catching that because I am going too fast in my head. So um, I have a lot to say around this. So good. <laughs> yeah, so, so don't miss the message because you don't agree with the messenger. And in that moment, it made me reflect on how I did have some thoughts after hearing. I was like, wow, what's this little girl know about all that she's talking about? Like, that's some big stuff, you know, and already minimizing her because of her age. Right. Um, and so I just kind of want to highlight and kudos to whoever she is. If you've seen that, you know, respect to her credit where credit is due. Um, and I think the biggest thing for me when I'm with my nephews, it's important for me to acknowledge how they make me feel and what I get from them. I, that's been on my heart so much, you know, and I'm constantly telling my nieces and nephews, like you teach me, you are my teacher. I learn from you. This is not just a one-sided or top-down thing, do you know? Yeah. Well, granted, as an adult, yes, it is on me to teach you specific things. It doesn't necessarily mean that you can't teach me things, that you can't show me things. And that for me is um, comes from a space of empowering them and showing them, even at a young age, how they can embrace their bigness, you know, yeah. uh, and the miracle that we all are as individuals. Yes, there's almost 8 billion people on the world and we are all individual miracles that we are alive, you know, and, and get to inhabit this world in the way that we do. You know, I, I think, you know, when it comes to, I, there are a couple of lessons that I really want to highlight. Um, and I might get emotional. Um, Just don't make me cry. A lot of these lessons with my, especially my two young nephews, and I think it's definitely contributed to where I'm willing to allow myself to go now as an adult that I wasn't when it, when it comes to my 15 year old nephew and my 14 year old niece, you know, I've had lots of practice in being an, an uncle so much so that I have two twin nephews that are in their late twenties. So I've been an uncle for quite some time. Uh, and being on the court in the game of life as an uncle, you know, started to really happen when my 15 year old nephew was born. He was the first. Uh, and since then, I'm really, really proud to say that I continue to learn, you know, from all of my nieces and nephews. Uh, and so the two that I get the most exposure to now, there was a lesson. Um, I didn't expect my past to be coming up and how I was raised and learning lessons from them. But there was a lesson that I learned around how I sometimes try to teach something. And in the teaching, I am doing the exact opposite. My words are saying one thing, but my behavior is doing something completely different. So a little story time, going a little depth in here. Um, there was a moment where my younger sister, um, her wonderful husband is a Marine. Shout out to you and all your service. Uh, and uh, her his stepdaughter, my niece, um, they lived in Japan. And right after they came back from Japan, they were stationed in California for a little bit. So we went to visit and uh, my sister allowed my two young nephews to come along without her and her partner. 
with that on the way home because of school and timing. My parents were set to spend a, a, a week more there, and I was to fly back with my 14-year-old nephew and then the two young ones. This would be the first time I'm traveling with them solo, and I was really nervous because at the end of the day, they're not my kids and I'm responsible yeah. for them, you know? So our connecting flight from Dallas to Charlotte gets canceled at two in the morning after multiple delays. Aye. And while there are some families that just slept on the floor, hoping that they would get out, I, I just did not have it in me to do that. And to ask my nephews to do that, I'm like, my ancestors, my ancestors did not fight so hard for me in 2022 to be laying on a floor with some kids in an airport. Like I just, all my privilege came out. I was like, I'm not doing it. Um, you know, <laughs> and so I um, we ended up staying in the hotel and I, I'm on the phone for hours trying to figure this all out. And yeah. for the most part, they were, they were great. They were easy. They're their needs were so simple. They knew they were safe. They had shelter. They had entertainment. They had food. They were okay. And there was a moment where um, we were all like cuddled on this, you know, full-size bed trying to watch a little tablet. Um, <laughs> and the youngest one pushes the tablet and it accidentally falls behind the bed. And the tablet was the older one's tablet. He gets frustrated and punches the, young, the, the yeah. younger one in the face. And that was just like a giant trigger for me, like Oof. to the point where I like grabbed the older, my older nephew, like by his shirt and lifted him up. I was like, we don't hit. And I tossed him on the other bed. And the look on my, my older nephew's face, you know, he was seven at the time. Um, like just said it all. His look of... And I'm going to, I don't know how he felt, but I, it looked like fear to me. It looked like shock to me. It looked like I just broken a sacred code of, of trust um, to him. And that sat with me for weeks after that trip. Um, and I know that God, the universe had that on my heart so much. To the, it just, I couldn't, I couldn't shake it. And so I, I wrote a letter. I wrote, typed up a letter to him and um, because of who I am as a person, I had to, it had to be printed on linen paper and really nice envelope that, that he would never appreciate. But like those materialistic things were very significant to me. Yeah. And when it came time to give it to him, I mean, I, it challenged, it challenged my perspective. It challenged my emotions in in big way. Cause I, the vulnerability, the level of vulnerability as an adult to be an example of something I knew I always wanted as a kid an adult that apologized, an adult that acknowledged what they did to be faced with like, I'm about to be that. And I am so scared. I have such feelings and it's not my story. Continue. Yeah. You know, and I remember like going outside and being like my voice shaking and just being like, Hey, um, I have something for you. And he was just so excited to receive something from me. I know he could feel how important this was for me, you know? And so he was just like, you have something for me? And I'm like, yeah, I have a letter for you. And he was, he was beaming. And I'm like, he has no idea what I'm about to say or what I'm about to rehash or bring up. He, in this moment is just so 
excited. He, he felt special. Like for me, he felt so special that I had something for him. Which was just so beautiful, like to experience him in that moment, you know, and, and that was a guidance. Like I guided me. I was like, okay, you're doing the right thing. Like just sit with it. And I was in full anticipation of just giving him this letter, you know? And in that moment, I was just like, I heard this like little voice. I was just like, no, you need to read this to him. You know? And I was like, that's a whole nother level of like, and then the little one was like, can I listen? Like, can I, can I, can I be there? And I'm like, sure. Like, of course, you know? And so I sit down and my mom's there, she's listening. Um, and I hadn't shared this with my mom, you know, up until this point. And I sit across from him and I could barely make eye contact with him because I was self-afflicting all this shame. And I am opening the letter and I would take a glance at him and he's just like sitting like a cute little kid just on this big old chair and just so excited. And I was like, I wrote a letter because I want to apologize. And even then he still was so excited. He said, you want to apologize to me? He's like, what happened? You know, and just no way to receive that. And in the letter, I spelt it out. I was like, "Do you, this trip? Do you remember?" And there was parts of it. He was just like, "I don't ever remember that happening." And then I'm like, in my adult head, is like, is that a trigger trauma response that he just like put it out of his mind? Like, do I feel like it should be a core memory? Like, am I self inflicting all these things? And I'm like, Shh, read the letter. <laughs> and so as I'm as I'm going and I'm just acknowledging, like, I did this and what didn't work about that. Like I was very intentional about not putting right, wrong, or good or bad. I was like, what didn't work about that is that I was felt like I needed to teach you a lesson. And I did the very thing that went against the lesson I was trying to teach. I'm sorry for the way I treated you, the way I handled you. I am so committed to treating you with the love and respect and dignity that you deserve. And then the little one, which was just a breath of fresh air. He's like, what's dignity? You know, in this cute little way, what's dignity? You know, and so we got to, again, the older one was just basking and I don't even know if he actually heard me because he was just beaming in delight that I had something for him and how special and singled out he felt in that moment. So the the younger one was so great having him there because it created moments for pause and just kind of laughter and lightness uh, and his curiosity, right? And his wonder. Um, and, and we, we explained that, you know, I explained what dignity was to, to them and, um, you know, they behaved like they totally got it. And it worked for me in that moment. And um, I looked at my, you know, my older nephew and I looked at him and I said, I just ultimately want you to know that I am sorry and I am going to do my best to treat you with the respect that you deserve and the dignity and the humanity that you deserve. Like, that's just so important to me. You are that special. Um, you know, and, and if I don't like, you can always call me out on that. And that forever changed our relationship with him with, you know, we're together. And anytime he had like an outburst after that, him and I would just make solid eye contact and he's, he calmed himself down. And we've ever since then, we've been able to talk through things and there was, there's, I don't have my hiccups. There was a time recently where I had called him out of his name and he heard me um, and he got so upset. And I had to, I had to remind myself, like I said, I would treat you with respect and dignity. And in that moment, because I didn't think you were in the room and I didn't think you heard me, I allowed myself to say something that was not in a, an empowering space, you know, around you. And, uh, and I really hurt you. I like, I, I see that, you know, so it is, um, 
when I think about childlike wonder and what my nephews give me and how we sometimes will force kids to apologize without understanding what they're really sorry for, my nephews allow me to revisit some of those I'm sorry's in a very adult way where I then have to forgive myself. Ooh. I then have to free myself up from reliving the same thing over and over. Because I know you and I have talked about this before, and I've had to realize that my my nephew is not hanging on to this in the same way I'm hanging on to these moments. Do you know? And then that leads me to realize that I'm hanging on to these things because of how hurt I was from the adults in my past. And now I get to be the adult. I get to be the adult that apologizes to me. I get to be the adult that is curious and and full of joy and and you know curiosity and play and and what takes me you know into being present in a way that really 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 works for me. So yeah, I they they help me redefine what it means to be an adult in ways that I don't think I would ever get to do if they weren't a part of my life. They being young people. I do not think if you'd asked me that I would have ever guessed that this was the episode that would have me in tears or <laughs> uh, um, nearly as emotional as I am. Good Lord. <laughs> they are just such a gift. Mm. And the... Oh, good Lord. Okay, get it together. Um, <laughs> the, I'm not the saying it because I'm trying to hold it all back on my side. You know, like, <laughs> I'm just like, don't talk because there's a frog in my throat. And... Tears just roll. I mean, all the things that we've talked about, and I'm just like, uh the um, the redemption that they give us, and the the space and the opportunities to heal and to practice all of the things that we either never got to do, or we've somehow learned, or you know, outgrown for ourselves. It's just. It's just such a beautiful thing. And the idea, and I and I get it. We're busy. We're overwhelmed. You're just really focused on getting things done and getting through the day. And, and I get that. But, like, I get that. And there are these just tiny moments where it's just, it's just so pure. And it's amazing. My, my, um, my cousin's son, he is. <laughs> he is eight months old and he does this thing now I understand what it's motivated by because dude loves to eat and so everything goes in his mouth but he does this thing where he'll stare at you and he's always smiling he will give you the biggest smile and he's in this phase where he's sucking his thumbs but the thumb becomes two thumbs and then both hands and so his hands are just always wet um <laughs> But he'll come and he'll look at you with this big smile and he'll put his nasty wet hands on your face, like on the side of your face. And it is this moment of pure joy. Like in moments where I have questions, if I knew 
what the definition of joy was or have wondered how to allow myself to have it again or just, you know, really just hard moments, I think about this and he, he'll put his hands on the side of your face and then he'll just stare at you and it's the biggest smile. Now you have like three seconds before he's going to try to eat your nose or suck your face off. But for the three seconds, it is the most, it is the most precious gift. Uh And to want to protect that and to support it and to embrace it, to know that every day that that tiny human is giving those gifts and all of the ways in which, oh my God, I'm so emotional. But the ways in which your nephews like redeem you and show you who you are and and create so much more connection for family like they are such a gift every day and there's so much that we have to learn from them and i think we think so much about what we have to teach them and and we do but there's such a beautiful exchange and i'm so sad for everyone that misses that the things that you can learn and grow from from these tiny beautiful humans oh yeah yeah i love that you you know um you share that because there's moments where my younger nephew he will touch my face and i'm instantly just like your hands are so small so little you know um and and it is a very grounding experience for me and like realizing i mean again like i you know physical touch is my number one love language and i you know, my, in my profession, I, I do touch therapy, right? So um, when, when he does feel comfortable enough to touch my face, right? And I feel comfortable enough to let him, you know, um, you know, it, it is this very just grounding experience where I realize like how special life is from the little to the big. Do you know, like how a big I am, not not just like in, in a physical sense, but more of, a, a, you know, a, an emotional and a spiritual sense, um, you know, and even how big he is in his small little body, you know, yeah. um, and, and when we say they're cute, they're cute because they, they I mean, the thing is, is, I think what I've learned with with kids and the benefits of childlike wonder is not to minimize any one because of their age or size right Right. and i know we talk a lot on our episodes around colorism you know racism all the things right and and all the things that we minimize people by but in this episode i think it's so important to you know to to talk about how we will minimize young people and i remember being 15 working at a summer camp and everyone else was you know 21 and older and so many of those people who are dear friends and i absolutely love you know at the time they would tell me oh you're 15 you don't know what you're talking about you know and i would hate hearing that i would hate feeling minimized you know and so much so that like when i'm an adult i'll never do that and then i had an experience where i realized like oh my god i've become that adult i'm doing that you know so (laughs) it's it's not like I just woke up this one day and I imagine this is true for you too, like that I just have this thought or have this philosophy. It has been 
a work in progress to recommit myself to acknowledging the bigness that is in all of us, despite gender, yeah. race, age, sexuality, et cetera, you know, um, size. So, you know, it's, it's so important for me to realize that at some point in my life, I became too much of an adult, which for me, that meant I became too boxed. I became too fixed, too stuffy, you know, yeah. and I, to the point where I couldn't even allow myself to be moved by conversations like this. Like I would criticize and ridicule people, especially other men who got emotional, you know, in a public forum, you know, and, and, yeah. and that children don't care about that. Children are going to be expressive. And, and I want to be more like a child from a creative, a mental and an emotional ass perspective while still getting to maintain this level of maturity that I get to have at this life. Because I think there is definitely a point where I know even adults in my life who have not matured, you know, and, and they end up acting like children and more of a, in ways that don't work, <laughs> inability to communicate, you know, all these other things. But I think that's what I love about my nephews. I don't think I know is that they work really hard whether they realize it or not on their ability to communicate and express their feelings. And we as adults hold space for them to do that. Like I love when I yeah. see my sister do that, you know, and that's not how we grew up, you know? So I'm, I'm as we round out this episode, I just want to shout out. Oh my God. We're such a mess this episode. <laughs> I didn't know I was going to do this or say this, but, and I don't think I do this enough. And I think that's why it's hitting me so hard is who we get to be because of who our parents were and what our parents had to experience and go through. My sisters, my brothers, we are not what society or what data may have suggested we would be given how we grew up and all that we experienced. And I love that my siblings are doing their absolute best with what they have. And when I get to see my sister being soft with her boys, when I get to see my older brother, who's not a parent like me, be playful and silly and really dive into creating moments with my nephews that allow them to play and be silly, you know, and my younger brother embraced them and their toys. Like we didn't have adults in our lives that did this on a regular basis. And we wouldn't be able to practice these things if it weren't for the children in our lives. So kudos to my sisters for having babies. Kudos to my brother. <laughs> you know, um, I don't think I, I thought you were going to have it. I don't think I've ever really expressed how grateful I am to them, you know, because there was so much make wrong and how we grew up and even my perspective around like our religion and having kids out of wedlock and not wanting to be like the people we grew up around that I've missed these beautiful moments to express gratitude and like what I get to have, you know, and if I wouldn't get to have this, if my brother didn't have his, you know, his kids and my sisters, they didn't have their kids. Right. I, I wouldn't be able to mature and grow the way I have been able to, if it wasn't for these young people, 
you know, uh, I get to do this because I say so, you know, I'm, I'm doing my, not to say that I haven't dismissed children, not to say that I have been the, the product of a perfect uncle by any means. I'm still a product of how no. I grew up, you know, and that's still very much in me, but I am on the court in the game of my life and, and doing my best to alter all of that. And I'm very proud of myself from a non-egotistical perspective. Um, you know, so. And I think that that continues to grow, right? Mm -hmm. Like education on my side, like the more that I learn, the more I understand myself, the more that my perspective has shifted, you know, like I had very strong opinions when I was starting my career and the more I've learned and the more I, I see and understand the complexity of systems and dynamics that are at play, the more I'm like, okay, let's just support you where you are and start where you are. But like pushing theory down your, like it, I think, I think we all continue to grow. And I think that's the beauty of this, right? I think that is the beauty of the childlike wonder is that children are a reminder to continue to grow, continue to evolve, you know? And I think they're an opportunity for us to show up in a different way. I think about Michelle Obama's mom, which I don't know that I've actually really heard it out of her mouth, but Michelle quotes it all the time. She's like, I wasn't raising children. I was raising adults. And so the way that you practice communication the way that you practice sharing feelings the way that you practice all of these things shows up as who they be you know like i think we had different circumstances based on cultural upbringings and also the challenges that our parents face coming to this country working multiple jobs or trying to get an education and like there wasn't that space to play in the same way but you know they did better than their parents so we can do better than they did and, and this is the space to play to learn to communicate to connect to be more emotional and vulnerable like crying through this whole podcast uh, <laughs> um you know and i just think that's really important um i think one of the other things that really kind of struck me from actually the beginning of of this podcast is in the childlike wonder in the playing in the space for opportunity and possibilities the invitation to, I think we, I think it's important to acknowledge that there's hope. Mm. Um, and the, the, that it is an active process, the belief that something could be better. Um, how you define that is, is up to you, but that there could be more joy, but it, in all of the things in the invitation, there's also anticipation or expectation of hope um around a thing what that specifically looks like maybe it's not defined maybe there's just space but there's hope and mm -hmm. i think and that feels that feels very childlike you know this wonder this hope like as adults do we often make space for hope but i think you see it in children's eyes all the time there's this glimmer that oh, you got a you wrote a letter for me there's something for me can i sit and listen too like that hope this anticipate that that is the magic mm. of of working with and, and being with children. And I like I would be remiss if I did not name that um, in this in this entire conversation. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for for naming that. You know, I. Um, I, 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 <laughs> I, as a, <laughs> I need one. Um, as, as a kid, I know I leaned a lot on hope and now as an adult, I focus more on faith, um, because my, and as a child, hope was so fleeting for me and faith mm -hmm. just feels more rooted. And so that you saying that allows me to recommit to, to that distinction for myself. So thank you for sharing that. And I think anyone that's listening or watching this, I, this stands true not only for this podcast, but all of our conversations. 
is that these things are not necessarily compartmentalized to the topic. It's not compartmentalized to children, right? I encourage and I invite you to apply even the just the trifecta. If there's nothing else you take or relate to from this, just take the trifecta of play that Chanel identified. And the, those three things being curiosity, presence, and joy. And if you applied that to every aspect of your life, what might you be able to create because you say so? Whether you have children or not, I don't have kids, you know? So whether it's your work, your romantic relationships, your friendships, if you don't get to practice curiosity, presence, and joy, what might it look like if you did because you say so? I think that's beautiful. I think I need to go cry more. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to touch that. That's, that's magical. I love it. Um, if you have a tiny human in your life, please go hug them. Mm. Yeah. Go say kind words, play, you know, get dirty, have some fun. Do not mix all the colors of Play-Doh together. Do not. <laughs> that's the boundary. The limit's there. No, yeah, that is the line. Do not mix all the colors of Play-Doh or kinetic sand Kinetic together. sand, that's the thing. That's. Kinetic <laughs> sand is a new Play-Doh. That's so good. But, um, yeah, thanks for joining us. I think we've now officially made good on all the things we said in our trailer. We've, we've laughed, we've cried, loud facial expressions. I think we've checked all the boxes. <laughs> Uh, thank you for joining us for yet another podcast. <laughs> See y'all soon. Ciao. Thank you for joining us for this episode. It is a privilege to share our experiences and reflections with you. Our goal isn't to have you just agree with us. Our hope is that you'll be inspired to look within and consider some of the same questions and perspectives for yourself. We invite you to continue to curate a brave space for yourself, exploring and embracing your growth and celebrating your power, ownership, peace, and joy. Let's continue the conversation on Instagram and Facebook at ssbd.thepodcast. We look forward to connecting with you. Follow and share the podcast on all major platforms. And if you haven't already, please rate and review the podcast as that helps us grow.